Hi, I'm Dave Miranda, General Counsel and Past President of the New York State Bar Association. Welcome to Miranda Warnings. You have the right to remain listening. Today on Miranda Warnings, we're very pleased to have T. Andrew Brown, the 124th President of the New York State Bar Association. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. It is great to have you, President Brown. Great to have you back. You you were one of the first guests on Miranda Warnings uh, back in 2018. Imagine that. And it's uh, it's great to have you back. You've come a long way Uh, over the past year. You've guided our association uh, with a steady hand through a year of transition. Uh, You started your term in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, and you brought us through the challenges of live programming. Uh, what would you say was uh, the biggest challenge that you had in making that transition for the association during the past year? I think the biggest uh, challenge was recognizing the importance and the impact of COVID-19 on our members, on our programming, and quite frankly, on our larger society. Uh, and trying to remain relevant as a bar leader, as president of the association, speaking to the need for members to feel a sense of belonging, uh, providing members with what they needed, um, speaking to the uh, members of the judiciary uh, in ways that would be beneficial to not only our members, our practitioners, as well as clients that we serve, Uh, Taking all of that into consideration, uh, and again, the main focus for me coming out of the pandemic, and I I say coming out of the pandemic, I I like to think we're coming out of the pandemic, but we're we're really still entrenched in it. Uh, But remaining relevant has really been my focus, And, and I've used that word many times throughout the year. Because if nothing else, as a bar association, we have to be relevant. We're a member association. So we have to be relevant and responsive to our members. Talk a little bit about how you think our association has grown in relevancy during the pandemic. I know that you formed a couple of uh, task forces that were directly related to the to the pandemic, the task force on the future of the legal profession. So what we need to do going forward, you also did an emergency task force regarding uh, vaccinations. Uh, Tell us how uh, the association uh, remains relevant to its members. I think we're relevant when we speak to the larger set of concerns facing us. Uh, We could take a very narrow approach and only speak to those issues and things that lawyers care about or some subsets of our profession care about, uh, such as the updates in the tax law and the real estate law uh, and the rules around court procedures. Uh, But the frank fact is we have the ability to speak bigger than that. We have the ability to address social issues of of, of a magnitude that uh, many of us wish was not the case, uh, such as the, the shooting in Uvalde just yesterday. Uh, how tragic that is. And also the shooting in Buffalo. Uh, we also look at some of the big decisions sitting before the Supreme Court right now. Uh, the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade and the implications of that. What I've tried to do during my presidency is speak to some of those larger issues. I've been a willing voice to address those issues and champion 
some of those concerns. LGBTQ rights, very important to me. Rights of, of women, uh, very important to me. Uh, addressing the needs of the underserved and those most vulnerable, and that's something that we can do as a bar association. That is something that I've proudly done as president of our association. To take advantage of that is a wonderful opportunity to have. Uh, and I've enjoyed having that. And I think as a bar association, we, the New York State Bar Association, have a very strong voice, a very powerful voice. And when we speak and use it well and wisely, we're heard. And not only here in New York State, but across the country. I've had the opportunity to speak to many bar associations and bar leaders outside of New York State, in other states, throughout the United States, in another, and with bar leaders across the globe. When New York speaks, people listen. So we should take advantage of that. We should not think of ourselves in a narrow sense. We should think of ourselves in a much bigger sense. And one of the things I've done is, is sign multiple memoranda of understanding over the past year with uh, bar associations in foreign lands. That's important. We have to think and remind ourselves that New York State is a global organization with a New York State Bar Association, but we have global reach. We should take advantage of that. Uh, many people around the world are thrilled with the opportunity to work with us and to join with us and partner with us in signing a memorandum of understanding, which we've done, again, many times over the past years, over the past year, and hopefully we'll continue to do that. Uh, I have spent, I spent a week in Madrid not that long ago meeting with many leaders from uh, Spain and other parts of, of Europe, and they welcome hearing from New York and what we have to say. So we should take advantage of that. And we should realize that the world has gotten smaller uh, over the years. It's, it, it, it's now very easy to know and be impacted by something happening in another part of the world. Look at Ukraine. Uh, what is happening in Ukraine is impacting us here in New York and every other country around the globe. Uh, we have to realize that and, and take advantage of what we can offer to serve in the way of the public good. Well, there's a lot that I want to talk about in in your your statement. Uh, even though we started your term in the pandemic, much of your term has been very outwardly focused, as you indicated. You signed uh, memorandums of understanding with other bar associations throughout the world. Uh, in fact, you signed ten memorandums of understanding around the world, uh, including Madrid, uh, where uh, the Bar Association had an event earlier this year, and including, and, and importantly, I think, with the Ukrainian Bar Association in December. Before the invasion of Ukraine started, we had already had uh, a memorandum of understanding with the Ukrainian Bar, and we have a very close relationship with them. And our international section formed a Ukrainian uh, task force uh, tell us a little bit about the work that our our association did in support of the efforts involving the Ukraine. Yeah, and, and that is a, a very important mission. And I commend the international section for getting out front on that. Uh, they they've, they really have had a full plate this past year. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job. I've worked with that section many times throughout the year. Uh, and Ukraine Bar Association is... Uh, a bar association that we've entered into a memorandum of understanding with, and we have continually worked with lawyers in Ukraine to look for ways that can, we can be helpful. And that really is the main point. How can we be helpful? Uh, we have um, uh, hosted programs 
with the Bar Association of Ukraine to talk about what we can do, to talk about what's going on there. I have met with the president of the Ukraine Bar Association in person uh, in Madrid and have spoken to her uh, numerous times. Uh, the Bar Association has hosted programming to support refugees that are looking to come to the United States. President Biden signed um, uh, an executive order allowing that to happen. Uh, and a number of uh, Ukrainian citizens ha have, have taken advantage of that or will be taken advantage of, of that. So the international section was, was instrumental in helping to bring about that, that program to teach lawyers how to be um, helpful as counsel to enable citizens of Ukraine to come to the United States to escape the injustices that are taking place there now. What do you see as the New York State Bar Association's role worldwide as a worldwide international uh, organization? And how do these relationships that you've begun to forge with some of the bars around the world uh, assist that? Uh, Dave, we have members in more than 100 countries, which I don't think a lot of our members know. And our fastest growing sectors of membership are outside of New York. So we have to be speaking to our members and our members are everywhere. Where we see injustice, we should have the willingness to speak to it and challenge it. It doesn't matter where it is because we all benefit from that. And if there's injustice taking place anywhere around the globe, it, infects, it, it affects us and impacts us. So we should speak to it. Whether it is uh, injustice in one country or another, it really doesn't matter. Obviously, uh, we have members and concerns here in New York, but the issues of, uh, of global injustice are real. And a lot of those issues that are taking place around the globe are also taking place right here in New York. Right. There was a, I'm going to say, a common thread throughout your presidency regarding uh, racial justice and social justice. Uh, many of the task forces that you formed uh, were related to that. Many of the positions that the association took over the past year um, carried through on that thread. You formed a task force on to address racism and social equity and the law, a task force to protect voting rights, which had uh, many social justice issues. Uh, you formed the working group on Question 26, which... Uh, relates to applications to take the bar exam and to become lawyers, a lawyer. Tell us a little bit about uh, that common thread that was in your presidency and how you used your term to move the ball forward on some of these issues. Yeah, uh, Dave, the, the real common thread in my past year is not around justice, it's around injustice. And where we see injustice, we should be willing to speak about it. Because the injustice that I have, the injustices that I have tried to address really are underpinning, is, there's an underpinning of laws and regulations and governmental structures. Those are the things that lawyers are uniquely qualified to talk about. And we should be thinking about those things. We should be talking about those things. We as a bar association can make significant impact in those areas. And if we look at the injustices in the in the United States, many of those injustices are falling upon people of color. They're falling upon uh, LGBTQ, community, LGBTQ uh, community members. 
They're falling upon uh, women. They're falling upon those who have traditionally fallen into more uh, 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 vulnerable categories, quite frankly, when it comes to treatments under the law. Whether it be, we can go back, we can talk about how the Constitution uh, is, is, comes into play when we talk about the, uh, the injustices. We can talk about Supreme Court decisions back through history. We can talk about scores of regulations that impacted people of color and other groups. And I think that there are continuing injustices to play out today that we should be willing to speak to and we should be willing to call them out. And part of it is just the willingness to have the conversation. And that's what I've done this year is try to lend willingness to have the conversation. We're not going to all agree on on issues. That's fine. We're a bar association made up of many different groups of different backgrounds. I would not expect us to agree on everything, but we should be willing to agree on one thing, and that is eradicating injustice, because that is what we do as lawyers, and that is what we do well as lawyers. And we should be willing to continue to do that going forward as lawyers. So I hope that our Bar Association continues its willingness to address social issues, especially those big issues of the day that are playing out to bring about greater injustices and harm to all of us. One of the issues that you talked about and, and actually worked on during the course of the year uh, impacts uh, lawyers directly. And that was uh, an issue regarding the, uh, admission, the application for admission uh, to become an attorney, um, the, it was uh, characterized as question 26 because there's question number 26 in the application uh, asked the question as to whether the individual applicant had ever been cited or ticketed or arrested or taken into custody or uh, indicted or uh, questioned for, regarding any violation of the law. And uh, certainly a very uh, oppressive type of question that might uh, keep people away from trying to become lawyers. And in fact, uh, under the report that uh, your task force uh, prepared indicated was in violation of the human rights law, section uh, 296. Tell us a little bit about question 26, why it's so important that uh, that issue be addressed both for uh applicants to the bar and for the people in general? Yeah, uh, uh, so much can be said about question 26. Uh, For starters, the reason why we should do something about it is because it's simply the right thing to do. Uh, It reeks of injustice. Uh, It is an anti-diversity measure to have that question in place and to make people answer it. Uh, And it's illegal. For those reasons alone, it should be undone. Uh, If we look at the difficulties that people of color have faced to become lawyers in this country, which is in part why we have such underrepresentation now in the profession as well as on the bench, the last thing we want to do is put up additional hurdles. Question 26 is an unnecessary hurdle. No good comes from that question, but undoubtedly considerable harm comes from that question. If you look at the question, it is wrong no matter who you are to have to answer that question. It is particularly wrong and and more detrimental to people of color because people of color has been disproportionately impacted as a result of the criminal justice system. That's a fact. And here in New York, if you look at stop and frisk alone in New York City, more than 90% of the people stopped were people of color. Now, everyone who would stopped, regardless of if you were arrested, taken downtown, detained, 
uh, in any way uh, after the stop? You would have to answer that question, yes. And if you look at other categories uh, under that question, most people impacted because of over-policing are people of color. So they are the ones who are most likely to have to answer the question, yes. If you talk to candidates considering law school, uh, individuals considering applying to law school, they will tell you, well, why should I apply to law school if I'm going to go down that, that road, three years of education and, and all that money and subst sub substantial burden uh, only to face offense that I might not be able to get over at the end? And I have to think that that's a concern because otherwise, why would they ask the question in the first place? So the question is burdensome. It does no good. Uh, no good comes of it. Why put it in place? We know it's a deterrent. Uh, and it discourages people who would otherwise be going to law school. And, other, and, and many of those people would have gone on to become great attorneys. And we already know that we're, there's, a, there's a great underrepresentation. And again, why do we want to put up an additional hurdle? So this question would require, uh, requires uh, someone who was just stopped as part of an uh, investigation for and perhaps didn't do anything, commit anything, was never convicted of anything, would have to report this. And, and applicants would consider that potentially hindering, right? It would be yes, a, a blemish that they would have to somehow now uh, explain. Uh, and uh, it goes beyond just that application question for the bar exam because many law schools wanting their students to actually become lawyers uh, put that question on their law school admission uh, as well. They pattern the law school admission question to the bar exam questions. And that has the further effect of preventing people that otherwise might apply to go to law school to not do so because they're concerned about this. And, and tell us absolutely. about how the progress absolutely. we've made in that regard. Yeah, no, that absolutely. And that goes back to my point of, of, of clearly knowing that we were, we are discouraging people from uh, becoming lawyers because we're discouraging them from applying to law school. And that is a necessary step. We have met with all the deans of the law schools in New York, every single one of them. Every single one of them said the only reason they asked that question is because the question is on the application for bar admission that the students would have to face after law school. We also know that the deans would take the question off of the law school application if the question were not asked later on the bar application question. That's important. We also know that the deans, all of them, signed a letter in agreement that the question is improper and should not be asked and should be done away with in its current form. Every dean of every law school has said that. That's, that's telling. So we know that the law school deans think the question is improper. Students think the question is improper. Uh, uh, the Bar Association, the House of uh, um, the um, our, our House, as well as multiple committees and sections of our association have uh, taken a position that the question is improper and should be done away with it, done away with. No one is seemingly saying the question is a good question. And no one has been able to tell me what good it does. So the question should be done away with. In two schools, I, I would mention uh, CUNY and University of Buffalo have already done away with the question. And I commend them immensely for that. And I'm told that other, other law schools will also be doing away with the question.
So, you know, we're, we're, at, we're getting towards the end of your term as president. We have an opportunity to be reflective a little bit. And so looking back now at your year, what do you know now uh, that you wish you knew when your term began? If ever, if anything, or did you know everything when you started? <laughs> I certainly didn't know everything when it started, and I don't ever know everything now, and, and never will, because then it will defeat the the uh, the need to learn something new every day. Um, I think the the one thing I I realize now is how quickly a year will pass, uh, and how important it is to take advantage of of every day and every opportunity. Uh, and I've tried to take advantage of unique opportunities over the past year that would enable me to speak uh, to the importance of who we are as a bar association. But uh, still, I can think back to um, opportunities that I would have liked to have taken advantage of uh, even more. Uh, and I, I certainly don't have any interest in, in extending my year uh, and I think one year is is the proper way to do it for our presidency, for our uh, um, our presidency of, of our the presidency of our uh, association. Um, but I, again, I think the the thing that I I now have come to learn most is how quickly the year passes. Right, and it is one year, uh, and it's thought that that's a good thing because you give so much of yourself during that year. And uh, if it had to be, if it was longer, um, it would be perhaps too disruptive of your personal and professional life because yeah. of, of the demands. Yeah, and I think, that's, I think that's true. I think if we, if we had it two years, even one year, it's hard for uh, anyone who's a solo practitioner or anyone in a small firm uh, to even begin to think about serving as president. It's hard for someone in, in, a, in a firm of any size uh, to step away from the, the firm operations and the practice of law and then, to, and then to have a plan to simply come back to it uh, at the end of one year. It's difficult to manage for a lot of people. Uh, and I think if it were more than one year, it would, we, would, we would reduce the pool of people who would even consider it. Right, right. Now, I've got a, a question that I don't know if you've been asked before. Uh, I'm sure many of uh, our members who have read statements from you or, or seen your name uh, are wondering this. So T. Andrew Brown, what does the T stand for? You know, uh, that actually, I think many people who will listen to this is probably, will probably uh, come to, to learn that it stands for Thomas. It's the first time they ever knew that. Thomas. Thomas is what it stands for. I thought it was something, you know. Like something more interesting. Tyrannosaurus that, <laughs> or... <laughs> or perhaps, you know, maybe, maybe I should maybe I should adopt a more interesting name since I just used the first initial. Or perhaps I thought it stood for the the, like the I like Andrew that. Brown. I like that. I like the that. Andrew Brown. So like you don't that. get you don't get mixed up. Let's go with uh, that from with now. others. Let's the go with Andrew that Brown. Now. Well, the Andrew Brown. Uh, I want to thank you for your service to our association uh, and to our profession, uh, not only over the past year, but during your career. Uh, tremendous uh, service to this association, bringing us through uh, this year of transition. You led us with uh, a very steady hand, and I know everyone in the association appreciates the work that you did. Thank you, Dave. Uh, it has been uh, both a privilege and an honor 
to serve as president and to work with you and other great past presidents, uh, as well as current leaders, uh, in trying to find relevance for our Bar Association. And I think if we continue to do that, we'll continue to be well and in, 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 in sound standing uh, and uh, be well received by our members and prospective members for many years to come. We have a feature on Miranda Warnings. Uh, was music, book, or movie? And the last time you were on, you recommended a book called The Warmth of Other Suns oh, by uh, Isabel uh, Wilkerson. And uh, based upon your recommendation, um, I read that book, and it was, I'm going to say, an enlightening experience. I don't know if the whole book was necessarily enjoyable uh, because it talked about the difficult time that black Americans had in making the migration, which they talk about in the book, the migration from the South to the North. Uh, and it gave, I think, a very personal uh, explanation of what these families went through, both good and bad. Uh, and, uh, but it was, it was, I'm not going to say a, a hard read, but it was a difficult read. Uh, and so the warmth of other suns was certainly enlightening. And, uh, I certainly appreciated that recommendation. Do you have, uh, another book to enlighten us with? Here. And if you don't, uh, I thought that was, uh, yeah, and, and the, the Warmth of Other Sons, I think, is a tremendously um, um, researched book. Um, I enjoyed reading it, but there are times that uh, the reader is confronted with, with hard facts and realities. Um, but I, that's one of the reasons why I thought the book was so good and why I would continue to encourage others to read it. Uh, a book that I'm reading now, and, and sadly I don't remember the name of the author because I'm halfway through it, is uh, The City We Became. Um, it is, 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 is a, and that is a more difficult book to read, a more challenging book. Uh, it takes place in New York City, and it, it is in part uh, science fiction. Uh, and uh, it, 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 it is a book that is, is worth reading, uh, but I'm only halfway through with it. Um, but it, it does put some interesting aspects on New York City. Anybody who knows New York City would enjoy it. Uh, it talks about people who are essentially uh, becoming one with the borough that they live in. Uh, and, uh, and I don't want to say too much more because I'll, I'll give something away. Uh, and I want to leave something to the reader. But that is a book that I'm reading right now. The City We Became. The City We Became. Okay, recommended by The Andrew Brown. By The Andrew Brown. <laughs> the Andrew Brown, it's been great to have you back on Miranda Warnings. Thank you, uh, thank you again for your for your service. Thank you again for being with us on Miranda Warnings, and we wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been Miranda Warnings, a New York State Bar Association podcast. You have the right to subscribe, rate, and review. 